Welcome to Indisputable, everybody. Wait a second, who's this guy? What is he doing here? Where's Dr. Rashad Ritchie? Well, he's off today. I'm David Schuster. I'm sitting in for him, and you know, Dr. Rashad is um is pretty nervous right now because he's thinking I've got this Lamborghini, and Schuster's about to wreck it. <laughs> we will, and we're gonna have a lot of fun doing so. And here to join me in the fun today is Dan Evans. He joins us from West Hollywood. He is the host of Good Morning Bad News Power Report and Audio Face. Dan, how you doing? Wonderful, David Schuster. Great to be with you on this wonderful Friday. We got some great news stories to get to, some exciting Karen drama, so to speak. So uh, let's roll into it. Let's do it, and here we go. Dateline, Santa Clarita, California, and there is a controversy over Blue Lives Matter, the thin blue line that supports police. Uh, apparently, at a, a youth football game that was on the school district facility, um, the superintendent, well, Here's the video first of the kids and what they were wearing on their helmet decals. Watch this. So there they are. Those are the thin blue line helmet decals that are on this like youth football team, and it's part of a school district team. And the irony is, is that in youth football, posting political messages on team uniforms, well, that is not allowed. That's forbidden. So the superintendent. Uh, finds out about this and he decides, okay, well, we can't have this anymore. We are now going to remove all political decals, not just from the Pop Warner team, but from the junior high school team, from the high school high school team. Uh, and the reaction was, well, people were infuriated. There are a lot of former cops that uh, live in Santa Clarita. And so a lot of people packed a school board to weigh in on flying their flag. Here's element number three. Unfortunately, said Asaga's high school parent, unfortunately, the flag has been co-opted by racist elements in this country and it has a taint on it now. During the district board's meeting, parents and students complained that the Blue Lives Matter flag represented right wing and white supremacist politics. A Gordon Valley High School student said, as someone of the African American community, there was a spike in the popularity of the Blue Lives Matter flag after the rise of the in 2020 of the Black Lives Matter protests. The majority white town, as we pointed out, is home to a large population of current and retired law enforcement. One resident, well, she said this, and she protested at that. She protested at the meeting and pointed out something that had happened where police had actually rushed into the school in 2019. In 2019, Saugus High School was the site of a shooting that killed two students. The shooter, who also attended the high school, shot and killed himself in the attack. And so there are some supporters of Blue Lives Matter saying, look, if we can ask police to rush into the school to try to help save students, what's wrong with having a decal supporting the police on the helmets? Of children, of course, children probably don't really know much about Blue Lives Matter, and some may not know about Black Lives Matter. But a debate has erupted, and there's apparently some sort of counter protests that are going on. There's some talk of perhaps people showing up at the next high school game with a lot of Blue Lives Matter flags and paraphernalia, and trying to force the issue. Dan Evans, what do you make of all of this? It's a really interesting story, and there's only one thing that maybe I would correct you there on is that I think a lot of these kids are very aware of what Blue Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter, and a lot of what these movements mean and what they are. If they, I mean, we're talking about Gen Z being a very politically connected generation through social media, through TikTok, through shows like we're doing right now. But also, a lot of these students are living this as well. And Santa Clarita, for those people who live in the LA area, know that it is home to a lot of police officers. It is home to a particularly racial element, let's say, within the police force. And so that is going to get melded along with the Blue Lives Matter flag and tradition. And so I don't 
fault the students or members of the school for saying, hey, this flag is a little bit charged now, it's a little bit uncomfortable. We can ride the line by saying, hey, we're very grateful for what police officers do to protect us. But we don't endorse the way police officers are used to um, equate them with white supremacist violence in any way, shape or form. And we don't want our students to feel that way on the football field. Well, maybe one of the things is that the people who support Blue Lives Matter and the Thin Blue Line really want this decal on the helmets, then maybe there should also be a weekend when there's the LGBTQ pride flag that is put on football helmets and where there's the Black Lives Matter symbol, which is put on helmets and all sorts of other political slogans or whatnot. Everybody should have an opportunity to dress up their Pop Warner youth football team on school property with political slogans if that's where this is gonna go. Yeah, you either do that or nothing, I would say, which is I, I'm all for political expression of all kinds, just because the public place doesn't mean that you can't have political expression. But that political expression can't come at the expense of making other students feel uncomfortable and threatened. And you have to look at the realities of how certain symbols and slogans are being used nowadays. Let's move on and talk about another form of political expression. Newton, Iowa, which is a nice little town in the US Midwestern heartland. Um, there was a city council meeting and people get to speak up and go to city council meetings and address certain things. But a 22 year old Newton man, there he was, he was arrested after criticizing the city government and the police department at a city council meeting on Monday. And here is the video of this exchange, watch. My three minute period to voice my criticism about the government. Yes, and I have three minutes to give the government some criticism. told you to leave. Okay, I'm not leaving until. Are my three minutes up? He's told you to leave. I'm not leaving. Do you want to be arrested? I'm sure arrest me. Okay. Arrest me for speaking my first one rights. Go ahead. Should be ashamed of yourselves. is named Noah Peterson. He was arrested for disorderly conduct and transported to the county jail. So why was he arrested? Well, Peterson called for the city to defund the Newton Police Department saying it is a violent civil and human rights violating organization that does not make the community safer. He also claimed the department is pro domestic abuse for employing a domestic abuser. At the time of the city council meeting, a Newton mayor, Mike Hansen, he slammed the gavel and said that Peterson, who was bringing these issues up, was out of order. Despite Peterson's protest, Hansen called on the Newton police chief, Rob Burtis, to escort him from the council chambers inside City Hall. Hansen said Peterson was violating the rules of the city council meeting. Now, at every city council meeting, the mayor allows citizens to address the council on matters included in the consent agenda, or a matter that is not on the regular agenda. When recognized by the mayor, each person is given three minutes to speak. However, Peterson had only spoken for a minute before the mayor cut him off. The mayor said his three minutes had ceased and that he violated the rules. The city requires comments or questions during the citizen participation phase that must, they said they must be related to city policies or the provision of city services and shall not include derogatory statements or comments about any individual. Peterson's comments referenced a specific officer, but did not outwardly call the officer by name. Uh, let's put up a picture of both the police chief and the mayor, uh, and there they are. Um, 
Again, this was a battle in which you had the mayor was sticking up for the police. Well, you had the mayor sticking up for the police chief. The mayor didn't want this activist to speak out and criticize the police department. So the mayor, I suppose, used his authority that he has at city council meetings to control the agenda and ask the police chief to go ahead and remove the man. A little bit of background on Peterson's claim of domestic violence. The comment in particular was referring to the specific officer, Officer Nathan Winter. He has a protective no contact order placed on him. The order was put in place because of a civil domestic abuse case with Winner's former girlfriend. However, the order has ended as an added stipulation agreed upon by the former girlfriend that allows Winters to conduct official police business. The order has since been extended and is still in place. But again, the activist never mentioned the police officer by name. He just started hinting at it and that triggered the mayor who then triggered the police chief. Um, Dan, it does seem like we, I mean, look, we've got freedom of speech, but if a city council wants to define its own limits, um, is it fair to do so? I think if you see, especially since it's on video, I don't think it's fair to do so because it's a government entity and they have to defend that right because the federal constitution, like, obviously trumps whatever kangaroo court the mayor is trying to do there. But especially it's important that all this stuff is on video and all of it's documented. Look, like you have cranks in local civic council meetings saying whatever they want to and oftentimes it's not true anyways. They have a right to say it, it's not held to the exact same standard of journalism or whatever. And of course you can still be held for libel or slander by saying certain things that are incorrect in a public place. The issue is this guy was correct. This guy was talking about things that are actually true about this officer who actually had these allegations against him and this like civic domestic abuse case that was actually ongoing. So in this instance here, what the guy was saying was a fair point. It just made power uncomfortable. So when people are making these free speech arguments, be careful to pay attention to what argument they're making that on behalf of. Because you will see very few of those free speech warriors who are usually making a muck about left wingers on college campuses defending this guy. Because this message is against the powerful and it's against the police. Well, the irony is that if the police and the powerful in Newton, Iowa did not want any of this to be mentioned, they did the absolute worst thing because by kicking out this activist on video, and this has gone viral. And so now they're instead of just people in Newton having a discussion about you know police and whether there's a domestic abuser and what should be done about it. Now you've got literally hundreds of thousands of people across the United States. We're also talking about, oh yeah, the Newton Police Department in Iowa, they have a domestic abuser. And now they also have a mayor who doesn't like free speech, who's, under, who's afraid to have anybody even talk about it at a city council meeting. And so to me, this looks far worse than if the mayor had just kept his mouth shut, let the three minutes expire, pretend as if the activist wasn't even there and moved on. That would have muted this, but instead he now has everybody talking about it. The old Streisand effect works every time. All right, uh, let's move on. Our next story. A lot of us think that there's a certain percentage of sheriff's deputies, law enforcement officers who are in fact psychopathic, who have some severe mental health issues. And now there is some actually some data to support that coming from Alameda County, which is in California. It's a law enforcement office that has more than a thousand officers. And here, in fact, let's put up the picture of the Alameda County Sheriff Gregory Ahern. He decided to conduct a, te- conduct a test, essentially, to evaluate the mental health of, of all of his employees. And here's what he found. The Alameda County Sheriff's Office in Northern California has stripped 
47 deputies of their guns and arrest powers because they failed psychological exams. It was reported Monday. It was horrible to have to relieve the deputies of their the the deputies of their duties. Sheriff spokesman Lieutenant Ray Kelly told KTBU TV the station obtained a copy of the letter notifying the deputies of their change of status last Friday. The deputies will still receive their pay and benefits. The move came after the sheriff's office conducted an internal audit of deputy psychological examinations from a January 2016 to the present. The letter from Sheriff Gregory Ahern notified a deputy whose name was blacked out in the copy that the deputy had been graded D, not suited in a psychological evaluation and under state law could not serve as a peace officer. The letter said the sheriff's office had previously been operating under incorrect advice received several years ago from the California Commission on Peace Officer Standards and Training, which said it could hire candidates who received such a rating. Ahern said the deputy can be hired if a second examination declares them suitable and the office intends to schedule an appointment for such an exam. The Associated Press reports our intention is to resolve this issue as quickly as possible, Aaron wrote. We also intend to have you return to fully duty status once you obtain a suitable finding. Kelly said he hoped the retest would occur in the next two months. The test will be conducted by a psychologist who does not work for the sheriff. Well. There's one more aspect to all of this, which is which is interesting, and that Kelly said the audit followed the arrest earlier this month of former Deputy Devin Williams Jr., age 24. Williams is charged with fatally shooting a couple in their Dublin home on September 7th. Williams' mother, Anna Williams, told KTBU-TV that her son had been in a romantic relationship with a woman, Maria Tran, and had believed she was unmarried. Sources say Williams gained entry into the Dublin home just a little bit before midnight on September 7th and headed upstairs to the master bedroom where 42 year old Maria Tran lived with her husband Benson. What followed was a life or death struggle in which a 24 year old deputy tumbled down a staircase before allegedly executing the couple with his service pistol. KTBU TV said four sources said Williams had failed his psychological exam, although Kelly previously said Williams, who was hired September 2021, had passed all psychological tests. The Ella Baker Center for Human Rights in Oakland, a nonprofit that deals with race and criminal justice issues, accused the sheriff's deputy of previously turning a blind eye to the problem of unsuited deputies. This further highlights the egregious levels of dysfunction and corruption that have plagued the sheriff's office for years, the center's organizing director, Jose Bernal, said in a statement. Again, when you're talking about 46, 47 sworn officers who are found to not be psychologically competent, if I'm doing the math, Dan, that's about 4% of the entire force. I would have predicted that a higher number would fail in terms of psychological and mental health. But I suppose good for the sheriff that he's trying to figure out who the bad apples are. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder what the metrics were in that case and what the metrics were in that test. Was it one of those like, I was joking with one of my friends how the no child left behind test is one of the easiest tests ever. And maybe it was one of those simple ones. But for folks to understand, like as people are getting priced out of San Francisco, which is its own county, Alameda County, which um, surrounds the Bay Area and other cities that are around that, you know, Oakland, Berkeley, etc., is a major player here. And it's where a lot of people are living. If people don't have faith in their police force, they don't have faith faith that their officers are competent mentally to be able to just solve those crimes, then not only are you gonna have a lack of trust, that's gonna make it harder for officers to do what allegedly they're getting taxpayer money to do, but they are going to end up having moments of lapses of judgment where they put people's lives in danger. And they do just idiotic things like what happened in the story here. Well, and also what happened here, which is which is interesting is on the one hand, the sheriff Ahern's getting some credit for actually doing this test, but on the other hand, He's not telling anybody if this one officer who executed this couple, if Deputy Devin Williams had actually passed or failed the test. And maybe there's some personnel or criminal issues related to that. But you would think, okay, well, let's determine it's not enough just to test people. If you're not gonna use the test results 
to actually stop certain people. I mean, now he is, he's stripping 47 officers from their guns and what, but, but again, I mean, where was this effort to try to strip dangerous officers before Deputy Williams went crazy and shot this couple? Exactly, it's where, America is just the country of Band-Aid solutions. We always do, Oh wow, there's like three gunshot wounds, let's get a Band-Aid here. That's how we do our policy, that's how we do everything top to bottom. But that is enough to say, okay, now we're going to do what we should have done a long time ago. This has to be a procedure from the bottom up that happens yesterday. And we need to hold all of our police forces in major cities and even smaller cities where all this stuff gets underreported, they all need to be held accountable. And I would say accountable, not just for their mental health, but also for their knowledge of the Constitution. We do videos all the time on Rebel HQ where I do stuff where basically you have so many police officers out there, even the ones who are mentally stable, who just don't know the Constitution and think that if their feelings get hurt, if somebody disrespects them, well, then that gives them the right to go ahead and ask, okay, give me your ID. Where if somebody has not committed a crime or there's not reasonable articulable suspicion that somebody's committed a crime. Citizens are under no obligation to give an officer an ID or answer their questions. A police officer can ask, and a lot of people, a lot of us who don't know our rights may just respond because we're gonna be polite. But every citizen has the right who has not committed a crime to say to an officer, I'm not gonna help you. I'm not gonna provide my ID. And if an officer doesn't like it, too bad. And oh, by the way, the courts have also ruled that if we wanna drive along and give an officer the finger or yell F you, that's protected speech and an officer has to hold it together, keep his feelings in check and not react to it. But the problem is we have so many officers who I think are not in this because they wanna uphold constitutional rights. They're in it because they're on a power trip. They wanna dominate and control people. So um, anyway, final thoughts? No, I think you make a lot of good points there. A lot of it's all about control and having power over people. And we need to make sure that people like that who are in it for those reasons are as far away from the lethal weapons as possible. And there is a connection between people who would abuse lethal weapons, who have issues of narcissism and power, as Dan pointed out, and who get to that area of not being able to pass a psychological test. Anyway, a lot ahead here on Indisputable, not with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, but David Schuster and Dan Evans. More after this, how does Dr. Ritchie say? Stand stick and, and stay. don't go anywhere. No, no, stick and stay. More after this. Welcome back, I'm David Schuster, your substitute host of Indisputable. And if you were, nice kiss there, Alex, I saw that. Our producer, Alex, <laughs> is out and she just had somebody come in and kiss her. We're gonna talk about that later. In the meantime, if you were betting, if you were betting that I, David Schuster, cannot read a damn thing without glasses, well, you are correct. I'm blind as a bat when I try to read stuff. And in order, I've got some very important things to read. And that is Unbossed with Nina Turner is coming up. You can subscribe to Unbossed with Nina Turner and get ready to tune in daily at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, starting on October the 17th, youtube.com slash TYT. I've known Senator Turner for a long time, had her on a bunch of different shows, a bunch of different networks. She's awesome, as you know. And now she's gonna be a host, an anchor, a news person, so to speak. Nina's gonna expose how the elites in government, media, and other sectors gain the system, what people can do to fix the corruption. Again, this starts October the 17th. Tune in daily at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. By the way, another show that's already on the air on TYT, which is also a terrific, The Watch List. The watch list, add it to your watch list, enjoying JR Jackson live weekdays from noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, JR has uh, an interesting take on a lot of stuff, and he seems to be 
a little bit depressed these days. I'm not sure why, I think he's just going through a sad state. Although he's gonna get mad at me for saying that on this program. But in any case, no, JR's not depressed. He just puts on this, I don't know, this this act maybe. Anyway, watch live daily and subscribe at youtube.com slash watchlist TYT. All right, now some really fun stuff, right? Uh, some comments and super chat activity. Mickey C, the silver haired dragon, TYT members writes, the phrase blue lives matter was created only to detract and distract from the black lives matter message. The number of white supremacists outed in law enforcement has been growing daily. Uh, Mickey, I agree. And I think the number of people who are being outed has increased in part thanks to the prevalence of video cameras and police body cameras that are exposing the actions of all these folks. Lynn, uh, regarding the mayor, uh, regarding the man who was arrested at that uh, Newton, Iowa City Council meeting, the mayor censored that man at the meeting just like Trump censors any negative remarks about him on Truth Social. That's a good point. I mean, if you believe in free speech, you should believe in it, whether it's supportive of you or critical of you, you should just support it all the time. On YouTube, Tracy Ravenhawk, hello, Dan the man, love you, Dan. Dan, you know Tracy, she a relative? Not sure, but I appreciate you for watching and love you as well. Also, David, don't don't be upset about being a blind bat wearing glasses as well. I just didn't feel like doing the contacts. It is great. We we, we represent all of our glasses, kings and queens, and everyone else out there. It's all good. I'm right there with you. High school football team Justin King on YouTube writes: The only blue life I know of was the Smurfs avatar and the Blue Hound cartoon. Um, I remember the Smurfs. I wouldn't have made that connection, but all right, bravo. Oh, Justin, uh, regarding the man arrested at speaking against the cops, Travis King writes, he was polite, calm and respectful the entire time and they arrested him for speaking out. Oh Yeah, totally no corruption in this town. Uh, Newton, Iowa, I wouldn't have suspected there's there's a much corruption there. I've been to it a couple of times because of New Hampshire caucus coverage. It's a nice town, but you know what? There are a lot of law enforcement agencies around the country where people are extremely sensitive. Uh, regarding the sheriff out in Alameda County stripping cops of weapons for failing a psychological exam on TYT, Nada Dragon writes, mentally unbalanced cops in a police department is not a bug, it's the feature. YouTube member Spectaphronic writes, welcome to Indisputable. Spectaphronic, thank you, it's good to be here. It's always interesting sitting in the host chair, although it's actually the same chair that I use as a guest chair. But in any case, it's a little different uh, muscles you gotta exercise. Uh, for Bazilla, member for five months writes, I needed for Doc to say when he comes back, Stand and don't go anywhere. Absolutely love seeing you and Dan together, David. It's a great pairing. Thanks for doing the Lord's work at those MAGA rallies. Um, Forbeszilla, if you only knew. <laughs> but anyway, appreciate you just the same. And uh, let's see, looks like we got Rolalan who gifted five indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie memberships. Excellent, finally, high school football team, Octo Squiddies says, I'm sure those children had a lot of say in having the decals on their helmets. Hmm, yeah, I'm pretty sure they didn't have much say on that. And that's a good point. I mean, you should ask the kids what the kids want to do. All right, let's move on. Here we go. You know what time it is? I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're going to feel right. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Just keep carrying on with whatever you're saying, your abusive language. Very abusive language. It's not on. Not on. Not on. You live in Britain, mate. You're not British. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Got British passport. Yeah. You know what? It's it's bad enough when somebody is racist when they actually assault somebody who's filming the racism. Well, then that's trouble. Uh, this man has not been publicly identified. He's a British bloke, Karen from Bolton, England, um, but he has now been identified by his employers and he has been fired. And oh, by the way, there's also an investigation that is underway by local law enforcement. The, the man's employer, Accolade Logistics, did so after numerous complaints were issued following the video. Um, a statement by the employer read in part, we employ a multicultural workforce and do not and will not tolerate any kind of racist abuse. This person has been immediately dismissed from our company and we will be assisting the police with their inquiries. Once again, our sincerest apologies. Bolton City Councilor Rabia Jiba says the council referred the incident to Bolton police for investigation. Uh, Jiba said we absolutely cannot accept this especially when it is done openly. And this individual was in uniform. We will not tolerate this kind of behavior and police are investigating. Um, Dan is, you know, look, there, there, there are Karens all over the world, all over the globe, there are bad people. Um, but is there is there something that unites them in your estimation? Oh, definitely what unites them and I grew up in, not exactly in Bolton, but I grew up in Northern England for a certain period of time and I, can definitely say what unites racists in America and in England is a feeling that they own something that they don't, right? Like it's a feeling that like we haven't progressed to a point in society where this is something we share. We all give into a society, especially in England, everyone's paying taxes, same as in America. And you should be treated with a certain level of respect. Now, a car accident is very heated, it's a certain level of tension. Um, under my breath, I say certain things to myself about or the drivers as I'm driving along. But you know, I think that's everyone's right. But ultimately, what you have here, this like, hateful language between other people. I'm just surprised that this man had the audacity to record himself saying all these things as though it would make his case better. Just like document the accident, have insurance deal with it, move on. You don't need to show your bigoted face while doing so. But I'm glad the company he was working for and wearing a uniform for it during the time didn't say, no buddy, you're not gonna be representing our company with that sort of rhetoric. Please get off, I know I went British there, but please get off of that. And by the way, just in case anybody was wondering, the, the couple that he was harassing, they're in their 50s, uh, uh, an Asian couple in their 50s. They're not young teenagers who might be showing disrespect or mouthing off, just an ordinary couple in their 50s. But in any case, it is time for Anti-Karens Unite. What's going on, boss? We're gonna go take care of a couple homeowners. We're heck heckling one of my salesmen, Dawson, here. So we're just gonna go see what's up, see what's uh, see what's going on. What's going on, gentlemen? Yeah. That so you got a guy going door to door making rude comments to people? Okay, what was he saying? Uh, well, just stuff. You know, when you're told no, let's walk away and leave. Mm -hmm. Not you're make not comments about 
Oh, you're to not, my you're wife. Not this, you're not in the sales game, I assume, sir. I am. Yeah, I do home yeah. renovation. Right on. I'm a yeah, huge, yeah. huge I'm, salesperson. Okay, good. Good job. Good job. Good yeah. job. But going um, door to door and making comments like that about. It is about says, myself. It doesn't matter what it is. is okay. it, it's still rude, right? Is it, right? Is it appropriate? I, I'm just trying to step in here and I want to know what he said, right? So, I, that's what I'm trying to figure sure. out here. So what yeah. was she told what him was that said. we had a friend that does windows and stuff, and his comment was, "Oh yeah, was he as good looking as me?" That's not that's appropriate. That's what you're upset about? Yeah, I'm pretty upset about that. You think that's appropriate? I, I think it's funny, maybe. Uh, so sales is the art of persuasion, becoming liked. Yeah. You you know that though. You're a sales guy, so obviously yeah. you would know that. Okay, so the offense from the window washer salesman that his boss was there to defend was, are those other washers as good looking as me? The salesman is flirting with those guys. And by the way, this is Canada, which makes it even more surprising because you would figure most Canadians are like the salespeople. They're just kind of flirty and they're happy. And But there's some very angry Canadians there because they somehow took offense at the sales guy, the window washer sales guy, <laughs> flirting with their wives. Jeez, talk about insecurity. Uh, here's another part of the video in which their insecurity is highlighted by the window washer's boss. Watch. He's well on his way to making a thousand dollars today. I know you guys are at home not making money, which is cool. I understand. Um, so yeah, have fun, have fun inside, hanging out. We're out here working hard in the sun. Is this license or record? Mm -hmm. I do. Could I have one? Nope. Why? Do I have to give you one? Yeah. Why do you need one? Well, I'm just trying to make sure you're legit. I mean, okay. Training is a very important okay. thing. Okay. Well, you can you can give the cops a call and let them know that. That he asked your wife if the other window cleaner was as handsome as him. I'm sure the cops would have a good chuckle uh, while they ate their donuts. That's, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So why don't you guys get in your van then and get the out of here? No, no, we're okay, thank you. We're uh, we're working here. We're doing everything cool. We're all legal, so we're gonna keep knocking doors. We've got a few lined up in in here as well. Actually, we've we've got a few sales going. So. So I love that boss. Not only is he is he, he anti-Karen, he's also anti-cop. Did you hear that comment about the cops and their donors? Well, and their donuts. Well. He invited the uh, the Canadian ruffians who are sitting at home not making any money. There's that little dig as well. My guy's making a thousand dollars. How much are you making? Well, in any case, he invited those uh, Canadian ruffians, those Karens, Canadian Karens, to go along with him for a sales call so they could see how things are done. Watch this. My wife is the one that's in there who was upset about the comment that she made. Was okay. Shaking up about that one, eh? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, she was. You don't go door to door Sorry making to comments that. like that to a woman. Um, I could literally go knock any one of these doors. You can shadow knock me. I'll make the same comment and they'll laugh. They'll say, wow, that was funny. You want to go? We'll go knock a door right now. I'll give my pitch right now. You want to see? You guys have the notepads out? Okay, just a second. Just a second. Hello, hello. How are you, miss? Awesome. Um, have you have you seen me on the street at all today, miss? Oh, just the good looking guys in blue. <laughs> um, I just came over. Um, I'm working for a bunch of the neighbors on the street. <laughs> Is your husband as handsome as me? Is he as handsome as me? Oh. Yeah, I'll just go around and give you a quick price just so you know. She laughed because it was funny. Yeah, was that rude? Was I being rude, miss? That was I being rude? Was that offensive like that? that I asked if your husband was as yeah. handsome as me? <laughs> yeah. Were you offended, miss? Were you thrown off? Was I hurting his feelings? No, I was making a joke. I'm a door-to-door -door salesman. I'm a kid. I'm a kid trying to make some money. No, I just right. put these guys in their place, okay? Go home, go home.
They should go home indeed. That is a wonderful boss, a terrific salesperson. And he's got that Canadian personality of sort of understated, oh, you're writing this down in your notebook? Um, <laughs> the jabs are very subtle with the Canadians who are putting their Karens in their place, but they're effective nonetheless. Dan, what'd you make of it? Now, it's some good old fashioned Canadian chirping that anyone who's blessed to have a couple of Canadian friends in their life that know that that's just how they're just talking stuff right there. It's just the, yeah, just pull out the notepad, just have it, have a go right there. It's like, or even when he says, when the other guys are like, hey, why don't you get out of my neighborhoods? Like, actually, we're gonna not do that. We're just gonna stay here. We're gonna have some doors to knock on. Just a very casual, polite, actually, F off. I'm gonna do whatever I want to and continue with my business. No, I like the way they're standing up there. And I, I actually feel that those guys are really, you know, sexually threatened in a way by his confidence, his demeanor. Like, I think that's the real issue that's going on here, that they're just a little bit too uh, not comfortable in their own manhood to really come to terms with. Yeah, or maybe not comfortable with the relationship that they have with their own wives, right? Because if you've got a strong relationship with your partner, somebody flirts with them, of course, of course somebody should flirt with my partner, she or he is attractive. But if you have sort of an insecure relationship with that person and then somebody comes along and you're thinking, oh my God, is this window washer boss about to sweep my wife off her feet with his handsome blonde locks and his powerful window washing propelling abilities? Oh No, my wife is gonna be swept off her feet, I'm so mad. Okay, well, I can't imagine that happening anywhere down here, but maybe on that particular block in that particular town in Canada, <clears throat> those guys have got some issues. Yeah, if your marriage is that close to being a Grand Theft Auto cutscene where you're fighting with your wife, then maybe you have bigger issues, honestly. Yeah, and you know, we all have issues, but especially in Canada, their issues are a little bit different. But um, look, it's, it's always nice to try to decode and translate how things happen up there. If we could all be as subtle in sticking the shiv in, that would be a wonderful thing because there's, you know, there's no aggressiveness there. You just slicing and dicing in any case. Uh, more with uh, continue to stand and watch. Is that what we're saying? No, continue to sit and play along. No, stick and stay with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, who's not here right after this. Welcome back to Windows Speedable. Yes, he's got the glasses on. You see those little green lights? Cool, right? It's kind of like, uh, I like what Joe Biden's doing. In any case, this also means that I'm about to do some, uh, you know, Dr. Ritchie, wherever he is, I think he's in Washington, D.C. right now. He's like pulling his hair out, what little hair he has left. He's like taking his glasses off and like, oh, what the hell am I doing to my show? I got this. So anyway, Dr. Ritchie's going to be really fired up on Monday. I can promise you that. But in the meantime, if you need a little more money, when you open an account with Aspiration, you have the chance to reduce and mitigate your carbon and ecological footprint, fight climate change, and give forests and animals another chance. I'm told that even if you have bad credit, you can get an account with Aspiration. So go to aspiration.com slash TYT to sign up or scan the QR code that you see on the screen. Pray for Aspiration. Now let's go to a couple of viewer comments. Regarding the anti-Karen, uh, those folks in Canada, the window washer boss who took on those Canadians who didn't like the window washer flirting with their wives. Uh, Robin's Egg says he threw his wife under the whole damn bus. I agree. I think when a husband reacts that strongly, he's got some concerns about his wife and maybe she doesn't want him doing this. Uh, let's go to Twitch. Bernie, the Kiwi dragon, talking about the glasses. I've worn glasses since 12. I'm quite short-sighted, ironic, because I often accuse right-wingers of this, of being short-sighted. They're short-sighted in their <laughs> capacity, not in how they see. Uh, regarding the racist male Karen fascist, Killa, he recorded himself because he feels that he did nothing wrong. 
and his bigotry should be accepted. Isn't that the case, Dan, with so many bigots out there, they want their bigotry to be accepted, they think that that's okay? Yeah, everyone wants to, the world to go by their set of rules and they're wrong because only my Dan from the internet set of rules are the best set of rules. No, I'm just kidding. No, but like we need to have a set of morality that is based on respecting everyone and understanding these cultures because it's really cool. It's really great to learn about these things. Also learn how to put people in their place in a very calm and effective manner like those Canadians do and regarding the anti-Karen, the window washer boss. Cheesy vegan writes, Karen's hate. When people give calm energy, and that is spot on because so many Karens feed off of their own anger and their frustration. They're so mad, and when somebody comes along and can just sort of calmly take the glasses off and say, hey, let's talk about things. Make sure you got your notebook ready. That drives the Karens crazy. In any case, let's see, what do we got now? Uh, let's talk about President Joe Biden. President Joe Biden delivered some great news for a lot of Americans who have been convicted under federal criminal statutes for possessing marijuana. He has pardoned all of them. Here's the announcement the White House put out on Twitter. As I said when I ran for president, no one should be in jail just for using or possessing marijuana. It's already legal in many states. And criminal records for marijuana possession have led to needless barriers to employment, to housing, to educational opportunities. And that's before you address the racial disparities around who suffers the consequences. While white and black and brown people use marijuana at similar rates, black and brown people are arrested, prosecuted, and convicted at disproportionately higher rates. So today, I'm taking three steps to end this failed approach. First, I'm announcing a pardon for all prior federal offense, federal offenses for the simple possession of marijuana. There are thousands of people who are convicted for marijuana possession who may be denied employment, housing, or educational opportunities as a result of that conviction. My pardon will remove this burden on them. Second, I'm calling on all governors to do the same for state marijuana possession offenses. Third, the federal government currently classifies marijuana as a Schedule I substance. The same as heroin and LSD, and more serious than fentanyl. It makes no sense. So I'm asking the Secretary of Health and Human Services and the Attorney General to initiate a process to review how marijuana is scheduled under federal law. Even as federal and local regulations of marijuana change, important limitations on trafficking, marketing, and underage sales should stay in place. Too many lives have been upended because of our failed approach to marijuana. It's time that we right these wrongs. Right these wrongs, well, no matter what President Biden would say, you can count on conservatives to take the opposite point of view. If Joe Biden sneezed, you've got conservatives who would say, oh, he should cover his mouth. If he covered his mouth, they would say, what's wrong with him? Why is he sneezing? Well, of course, Laura Ingram over on Fox News, she took issue with Joe Biden providing some relief to people who've been convicted under federal criminal law for marijuana possession. And of course, she does not approve of any of this, watch. Well, it starts with marijuana, but where does it go from there? Oregon was the first state to decriminalize it. Then they legalized it for recreational use. And then a few years later, they decriminalized hard drugs, cocaine, heroin, LSD, and even meth. Yeah, they're decriminalizing things, which means that the government is getting now a portion of the proceeds when marijuana is sold legally. 
And the government also doesn't have to spend time locking up nonviolent offenders, people who use drugs. But in any case, it's not entirely clear regarding the federal decriminalization, what Biden is doing in terms of the pardon for people who've been convicted for marijuana possession. It's not entirely clear how many people will receive pardons under the order. The Justice Department issued a statement saying it would expeditiously administer the President's proclamation, which pardons individuals who engage in simple possession of marijuana, restoring political, civil, and other rights to those convicted in that offense. In coming days, the Office of the Pardon Attorney will begin implementing a process to provide impacted individuals with certificates of pardon. Keith Reed at the root also writes that Biden's move reflects not only a shift in policy, but also a shift in social attitudes. Currently, 19 states have fully legalized marijuana use or possession for either medicinal or recreational purposes. And local prosecutors in some states that have not are increasingly choosing to not pursue cases against people caught with weed as a matter of simple policy. At the same time, weed has stayed on the federal government's list of the most serious illegal substances, creating conflicts with local, state, and federal laws. Keith Reid continues by saying, as a member of the US Senate, Joe Biden was one of the primary sponsors of the now infamous Federal Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act of 1994, which provided billions of dollars in federal funding for states to grow the ranks of local police forces and incentivize them to implement a number of tough on crime strategies that have since been blamed for mass incarceration. Mass incarceration. And while research shows that the connection between the 94 crime bill and mass incarceration isn't that clear cut. Biden has since apologized for his role in promoting the law that many people believe ushered in an incarcerated state and for its detrimental impacts on black and Hispanic communities. Indeed, the crime bill disproportionately seemed to sweep up African Americans and other minorities, something that Joe Biden, even Bill Clinton, who supported the 94 crime bill, both crime bill both say that bill was in hindsight. A mistake. Um, Dan, does, does the does the decrim does the giving a pardon to people who got caught up in federal criminal law about marijuana? Does pardoning them go far enough? Well, yeah, for crime bill Joe to turn around and apologize is one thing, but from politicians, we have to expect more from them than apologies. We need to see action, and this is. Decent action from Joe Biden. It's good to separate here. Let's take this rationally and look at the good versus what this really is. Because this is time specifically right before a midterm election cycle where Biden wants to make sure that he can get as much support from his base as possible. The good is that around 6,500 people who have been hit with federal charges since 1992 for simple possession will have pardons, which will make it easier for them to find employment, find jobs, apply for other different programs they need. Because as we've talked about, it's very difficult to get yourself on your feet when you're getting out of jail because we don't really have a rehabilitation system in this country. We have a punishment system in this country that needs to be radically reformed. That being said, no one was actually in jail. This is freeing zero people. Not a single person who was being pardoned by Joe Biden was actually in jail during this. This is, again, it's kind of like he's hiding the buck a little bit by making this sound a little bit better than this is. This is, this is to say nothing about people who are held on a state level or on a you know local level where they have more strict cannabis laws it doesn't really do anything for them now Biden's urging states to do a look to you know look at their own policies and he's urging the descheduling of cannabis which is a good thing or rescheduling of it which is a good thing but this says nothing for people who are still in jail for selling small amounts of cannabis and 
Meanwhile, you have companies that are making millions and billions of dollars off of doing the exact same thing in a legal market. There's no reparations for them. That's the thing that needs to we need to be pushing for for it to go far enough. So just keep in mind, this is a political play for Joe Biden. This is a little bit of progress, but we need to be really rational headed and clear minded with what this is really doing. And it definitely does not go far enough. I agree 100% in terms of both the politics and the policy and politics. Yeah, Joe Biden's got four weeks before the midterm elections. He's trying to get people, his base revved up. This is another step in that. And as far as the actual policy, to your point, yeah, I mean, most of these crimes are committed in terms of local laws and state laws. And I remember very clearly, I mean, and again, it's a patchwork of how the states and communities view marijuana possession. Many years ago, when I was at the University of Michigan, the city of Ann Arbor had basically a $5 fine. It was like a little ticket if you were caught smoking hash or cannabis or weed or whatever. So every April 20th, all the students would gather in the Diagon campus and just start smoking up and playing guitars and bongo drums, whatever. And the police would go around and they would write tickets. Here's your ticket, here's your ticket, here's your ticket, $5, $5. And we all celebrated this, that okay, fine, $5. We loved it. Well. Yeah, but if you drove 30 miles outside of Ann Arbor to some of those other towns, you can get in a lot more trouble. That's where the patchwork sort of comes to play. And hopefully, the message from President Biden is that we all need, in all of our communities and states, regardless of where we live, we need to focus on violent criminals and not the nonviolent ones. In any case, let's move on. What in the red state hell? You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face, it's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie. Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads. I never had, I hate math. Somebody say amen. Do you think this should be a Christian country? Oh, I do. I do. We were founded on God, and <laughs> Democrats are taking them away, taking them out of the school. How about reconciling separation of church and state, which we were founded on? And I don't think that's right. I do not think that's right. They should have never did that. Why would you take something as beautiful as America that we founded God on? We founded America on God. Why would you try to destroy that and take it out of the schools and try to teach our children well, something that's... That's what I mean about separation of church and state. That's is it shouldn't be, though. God should be... We should be able to say in Jesus' name, you know... And I, I don't care what what religion you are, because if we unite and come together as all in one, they'll find the true God. A couple of things there. First of all, um, yes, if you are thinking some Michael Schur must have done something terrible <laughs> to have to go to the Trump rally, that's usually how it works. One of us misbehaves or we do something terrible and suddenly it's like, oh, Jenks on the line and he wants you to go cover a Trump rally. Okay, I'll go do that. So Michael Shore did the one, he went to Michigan um, and he talked to those folks. Um, now he's not really in any trouble. And it's actually kind of interesting talking to people like this because their view of American history and the facts is just so different from reality. And here you have people who just don't understand. They probably never picked up the constitution. They probably never read the first amendment. They don't realize the first amendment, the government can either promote, establish, prohibit religion. Um, the government, it's not the government's job to say, yes, you must be religious or no, you cannot be religious. But in their mind, they think this is a Christian nation and America was founded as a Christian nation and we should all be Christian. Except that a lot of us are not Christian. And that's one of the beauties of being in America is that you get to be whatever religion or not that you wanna be. Uh, Dan, is there any way of reaching people like the ones Michael Shore just spoke with and saying, 
you gotta have a little common sense. Yeah, yeah, to maybe give a hint or a tease to what I would maybe like to do if I were put in this similar situation is that I would point out that there are actually parts of the Christian tradition, I grew up in one, the Jehovah's Witnesses, who disagree with the idea of church and state being combined. They believe that church is above state and they believe that combining them the two is against the religion to begin with. And it's a Christian sect of the religion. So I would honestly just like to break her brain and say, okay, do you disagree with other Christians who say that there should be a separation of church and state? Because I remember there are arguments about, should I have to say the Pledge of Allegiance? Because it says one nation under God, and that's technically against my religion at the time. So there's way, that's just within the Christian tradition. I'm not even acknowledging the fact that this is a country full of a number of wonderful different religions and lack of religious beliefs as well that have that don't follow any sort of tradition. So she really kind of shows what she's really about there when she says, it's okay, we'll all unite as one and eventually they'll find the true God. You want your God to be number one here. Well, and she also underscores it when Michael Schur asks her about people who are Jewish. Watch. You know, let's say I'm a Jewish dad and I send a Jewish kid, my Jewish daughter to school and she's made to pray to somebody else's God. Is that, do you see that as constitutional? If I was the father and I didn't want her to pray to somebody else's God, I would take her out of that school. Well, what if it's a public school? I would take her out of the public school. And then what are his options? Homeschool. homeschool. So, if you, so, so if you don't believe in Jesus, homeschooling is probably better? It's better. Why don't people believe in Jesus? Well, why do so many people believe in Jesus, right? I mean, it works both ways. And that's one of the great things, again, about our founding fathers and their view. They got a lot of things right. They got some things wrong. But their view that there should be a separation of church and state, it's not up to the government to decide whether you believe in Jesus or believe in something else or believe in the super universe or believe that plants can talk to you. You can believe whatever you want. You just can't impose that on other people in schools, in the public square, in government activities. That's what this is all about. But I don't know, maybe someday, someday, maybe we will have some people who will be reeducated on this stand. Yeah, that's the hope maybe, but it's not seeming likely in the future. Yeah, good reasons to be pessimistic, particularly if you go to a Trump rally. <laughs> I think Donald Trump feeds on people who are uninformed and uneducated. In any case, more with Indisputable without Dr. Ritchie, David Schuster and Dan Evans. We will continue right after this. I'd even say stick and stay. Oh no, I just did. Here we go. And welcome back to Indisputable, I'm David Schuster and for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. We like to brag about the fact that Dr. Ritchie's show and his team, this is the fastest growing show anywhere. And to prove it, Indisputable now has 503,000 subscribers on YouTube. And you think about it, Indisputable hasn't been on for that long. It is taking off, at least it was until today, but that's all right. Every now and then Dr. Rashad Ritchie needs a break. And you know what, you just have to have the replacements who are available and sometimes that's just who it is. Um, by the way, after this, after you're done watching Indisputable, coming up, Galaxy Brain. You know what Galaxy Brain is? Well, Ben Carollo's brain is out of this world, so make sure to join her today on Galaxy Brain as she talks through the important stories of the day. This is on Twitch, twitch.tv slash TYT. That's after Indisputable ends at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. And uh, another programming note, wonderful show, which is starting uh, in just uh, literally 10 days, Unbossed with Nina Turner. 
Uh, you can subscribe to Unbossed with Nina Turner. Get ready for the to tune in daily at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, starting on October 17th. Uh, you're gonna love this show. YouTube.com slash unbossed TYT. Nina's gonna expose how elites in the government, media, and other sectors game the system and what people can do to fix the corruption. She has been all over these issues for years. If anybody who has followed Nina knows she has a lot to say and a lot of experience. She's gonna have a terrific platform here on TYT to share so much of what she has uncovered and what she knows. Let's go to some comments. Members, tyt.com regarding Joe Biden pardoning federal weed convictions. What Biden, this is from Mark Mickey C, the silver haired dragon. What Biden did is good, I wouldn't call it great. Yet again, he tossed a few crumbs when so many need a full meal. It's time to release all nonviolent drug offenders and expunge the records. I agree, I can understand not including manufacturers and distributors with large amounts. It's time to legalize all drug use, here, here. On YouTube, our future is now writes, I got one year in prison for second offense possession in front of the same judge that let Kyle Rittenhouse off. I did more time for two times than he got for two murders. Isn't that the thing? Just remarkable. Another YouTube member regarding Donald Trump or Donald Trump supporters not wanting separation of church and state, Cassandra Kapernika writes, these people would fail the test for citizenship. Every foreigner passes or has passed. It's true. People who want to become a citizen, they have to pass a citizenship test. But maybe, you know, I don't just throwing it out there. Maybe at a certain point we should require anybody who, I don't know, needs to graduate high school or wants to be able to get through school, you have to pass basic citizenship requirements, certain knowledge that you need. I guess you're supposed to be learning stuff in schools and clearly our schools are, are failing. Uh, C, Michael Hinson, a YouTube member, pledges $5. It is scary how many voters are uneducated and ignorant on history, ignorant on the constitution and just their own hypocrisy. In some ways it is easier being somewhat small minded. Um, on Twitch, a lot of Trumpers who don't want separation of church and state. We've got Mike Boy Raff says they also don't want separation between church and Trump or their bot. I see what you're doing here. I'm not gonna read it. Okay, I'll read it. Or their bodies and David's body. They don't want separation between, this is a reference. Folks, if you have not seen this video and I I, I share my foibles um, with everybody, I'm honest about th what things that happened. I did the same thing Michael Schur did about a week and a half ago. He went to Michigan, I went to North Carolina, a couple Trump ladies in there. 90s, no, in their 60s, um, they were having a grand time that day. They were whatever they were drinking or doing, they, it was, they were very happy and they decided they wanted some reporter friendship uh, and they were very flirty. Um, they didn't go that hands on, so I wasn't that afraid, but uh, it was an interesting experience. And there's actually a YouTube video that we put up on Rebel HQ on both Facebook and YouTube. Uh, check it out, you can find our videos there. Um, if nothing else, you will get a laugh. And you'll appreciate one of the new hazards that some of us face when we go in the field and we have to interview elderly Trump ladies who at one point may have been motley crew fanatics who this is now their way of having fun. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about our next story. And for that, what are we doing here? Oh, did I tell you that I'm reporting from our Connecticut Bureau of Indisputable. We actually do have a Connecticut Bureau for Indisputable. And here we have a Connecticut update on a story that Dr. Ritchie has done before. Uh, down in New Haven, which is not too far from where I am right now, uh, there's been an update involving a case of a, a black man who was in the back of a police van. The police stopped short, the man was not strapped down. He got jostled, hit his head against the wall and the police grabbed him when they got to the station and lifted him by his arms and felt like he wasn't being cooperative while well, he had actually been paralyzed. Um, that man is now suing, he and his family are suing the New Haven Police Department for $100 million. Here's a reminder, here's a video update. 
in Connecticut, that guy in the back of the police van just broke his spine. The officer did not strap him in, drove faster than the speed limit, and then slammed on the brakes. You felt? The police officer stopped and verbally checked on the man, 36-year-old Randy Cox. I fall. I cannot move my arms. All right, do not move. I can see moving your arm. No. Okay. Look at my hand. I can't. All right, hold on, hold on. But then the officer kept driving without providing any assistance. Cox was under arrest for a weapons charge. One second, one. A few minutes later at the New Haven Detention Center, officers refused to believe Cox when he said he could not move. Come on or we're yeah. gonna pull you out. Slide down, my man. Oh, dude. Yeah, slide down so you can get out of here. Look, look, if you want to drag me, we'll cross over. All right. Yep. Eventually, they dragged him out by his feet. What's the hand? Okay. All right. All right. Now, Almost there. You're almost there. You gotta get your shoulders out. Ready? One, two, three. Stand up. There we go. All right. Get up. Well, how are you making up? Ready? Uh, actually, don't go get that chair. Get the, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll uh, the police did place Mr. Cox in a wheelchair, but they repeatedly taunted him for not getting up. I, I can't feel it. Sit up! I can't feel it. Oh, my God. Yo. Yeah, sit up. You're doing, you're doing extra shit. Sit up. Just moving him around like he's some sort of rag doll who's not to be believed. Amazing. Tough to watch. Well, Richard Randy Cox's lawyers have now filed a civil lawsuit in federal court against the city and five New Haven police officers seeking $100 million in damages for the cops' alleged violations of the paralyzed 38-year-old's New Haveners' constitutional rights. Uh, Oscar Diaz, Ronald Presley, Jocelyn Lelbander, and Louis Rivera and Sergeant Betsy Sugi of violating Cox's Fourth and Fourteenth Amendment constitutional rights for the roles in an incident that led to Cox suffering severe injuries to the next spine while in police custody on June 19th. Uh, the lawsuit, according to Thomas Breen from the New Haven Independent, also accuses these officers of recklessness, negligence, and excessive force. Claims that the city should be held liable for the officers' actions. And for not ensuring Cox's safety after his arrest, Cox meanwhile remains paralyzed from the chest down and is now back in the hospital because of injuries he sustained during this incident. Meanwhile, as for those police officers, they remain on paid administrative leave as the state's attorney's office considers whether or not to arrest and prosecute the officers. In the wake of the incident, the city has also upgraded its transportation policies and department-wide training on active bystandership and de-escalation in hopes of avoiding a similar future incident. In other words, gee, now they're actually gonna make sure that people who are in a police vehicle are actually strapped, wearing a seatbelt, so in case a police officer jams on the brakes, the person doesn't smash their head on the wall. Gee, what a great idea. And oh, by the way, the city of New Haven, did we mention? They're still paying these police officers. That's what administrative leave means. They still collect their paychecks, even though they paralyzed this man. Remarkable, Dan, your thoughts? Yeah, talk about costing the city money. But like, it's not only, gee, next time we're gonna strap the kid in. It's like, gee, we're also going to do this active bystander training. So we're going to train cops to, hey, when you see one of your own behaving badly, you should be an active bystander and intervene so that whoever you have in your custody or whoever you're supposedly protecting and serving is being protected, is at least has some of their human rights taken care of. 
that should have been the whole point to begin with. That's the thing that makes this whole story so disgusting. And I hope that all the family, everyone involved gets every cent that they deserve out of this case. Because th- this man is going to be, yeah, horribly paralyzed for the rest of his life because of cop negligence. And also not only the cop negligence, but also the one cop, the driver of the van. At no point when they were at the police station did he say to the other police officers, hey, yeah, maybe he does have an injury because I stopped short. The cop never came clean and said that he jammed on his brakes and this man went flying. All he said is that, well, this man was sort of flopping around and fighting us. No, he wasn't. The man was compliant. He was initially arrested on a gun charge. He was willingly handcuffed. He willingly got in the back of the police van. It was when the police officer jammed on the brakes that he went flying against the wall. If the police officer had told his buddies at the police station, this guy is in some trouble because we had to stop. Maybe then those other officers wouldn't have picked him up and throwing them around, which is the worst thing you can do. If somebody has a spine or neck injury, moving them, that will cause even more damage. Shame on the New Haven Police Department. I agree with Dan Evans. I hope this guy's family, Mr. Cox, I hope they collect $100 million and then some. Nothing can replace the value of this man's independence, which he has now lost. And the burden that he is now on his family, his family has to take him around to do everything with him. That is unbelievable. Yeah, really last thing here. This is, we're recording this in a week where a certain celebrity made a lot of hay for wearing a shirt that said White Lives Matter on it. And then the entire right wing media said, hey, why is this a controversial statement? No, Black Lives Matter shouldn't be a controversial statement, but it's controversial to these same right wing media figures. Because when you have situations like this, where a person is treated like a ragdoll, they're treated less than a human being. You need to assert that black lives do matter. Because I have a really hard time believing that that cop treats a white man in a similar situation in that same way. Let's move on. We know that in New Jersey, in New Jersey, we know this man doesn't like black people very much. Why? Because, well, there was a black Amazon driver that was in his neighborhood in the town of Lacey, New Jersey. And that guy, John Vincenti, Vincentini, age 62, well, he has admitted that he harassed, that he yelled at the person for being in a wrong neighborhood. Let's go to graphic number two. Vincentini followed the delivery driver with his car into a cul-de-sac where the driver was making deliveries. He parked his car to block the delivery vehicle and confronted the driver. Vincentini asked the driver why he was in his neighborhood, further asking if he understood that it was a racist neighborhood. Then asked the driver if he wanted Vincentini to head back to his car, get his rifle and shoot the driver in the head. The Amazon driver drove away and contacted Lacey police. Now, Mr. Vicentini, age 62, is being charged with bias, intimidation, and terroristic threats. Um, I don't know, some, some of these, I'm just like, some of these are, are sort of shocking uh, in a way, Dan, because I get there are racist people out there. There are people out there who have mental health issues. There are people who are really angry. There are people who want to blame immigrants, Jews, whatever it is, for all of their problems. But to go up to an Amazon delivery driver and to engage with that driver and say, do you want me to go get a gun and shoot you in the head? I mean, that goes beyond just pure hatred. That that gets into evil stuff. Yeah, I mean, I 
maybe just because of dealing with similar things in my life, I sort of take it to its cartoonish example. This guy shouldn't be mad at the Amazon delivery worker. Silly Amazon for not knowing that this is a designated racist only neighborhood. So they gotta make sure to only send the racist Amazon truck driver to them. Really, the guy should really be a little bit more reasonable and realize that he should be blaming it on the truck driver. He should be blaming it on the entire system that is missing this like note to make sure he doesn't go to the racist only neighborhood. Yeah, I'm very much stuck on that part. That he's like, oh, don't you know this is the racist only neighborhood. What are you doing here? And the Amazon driver should have just been the entire time just like, yo, this is a Wendy's. Like, I am literally, I don't know, man. I just work here. The classic example of that kind of situation. And so, yeah, when you get out of the sort of, I guess, my spin on it to sort of cope with these things is that it is evil. It is gross. It is sickening. And I think what makes it most disgusting in this case is how brazen it is that he feels empowered to, you know, def- almost do this castle doctrine, this George Zimmerman-esque. Def- I've elected myself to be the neighborhood watch and I've decided who is and who isn't suspicious based on my own prejudices. This is just way more wearing it on his sleeve and mask completely off or maybe a different kind of mask completely on. Well, and if he wants his mask on and he wants everybody to know about it and he wants everybody to know that in Lacey, New Jersey, there is this neighborhood where we only want white people, then maybe they should put up some Klan signs and make it very clear, put up some billboards saying that we only want white people here. And Mo, by the way, if you got an issue with that, contact John Vincentini, here's his email and phone number. And then Mr. Vincentini can see what sort of reaction people will have. And then maybe he might have a slightly different opinion about his racism, but maybe not. People have uh, seen those signs. Go ahead. I was gonna say, people have seen those signs that are like, in this house, we believe. Well, you could just put a racist spin on that with that guy's contact information. And yeah, we'll see what happens and see if his mind changes. Crazy times. More after this. Stick and stay. This is Indisputable with David Schuster and Dan Evans. A lot of folks say that when you're around a crowd of other like-minded racists or people who are misogynist or biased, sometimes things can get out of hand. Well, this actually happened in Madrid, Spain with people who were in a dormitory at a university in Madrid. And they started harassing through their windows women who were in a, another dormitory literally across the alley. Watch this. Okay, so for those of you who don't know Spanish, this was these were students at LAS Aruja, an all-male college, which is part of the University of Madrid. They staged this display from the windows on Sunday shouting, whores, come out of your burrows like rabbits, you are F, nymphomaniacs. I promised you all F in the bullfight, go Aruja. The students then proceed to appear across different windows across the building in mass facing Santa Monica, the women's accommodation nearby, and they continue yelling. Uh, Spain, because Spain has outlawed catcalling in an attempt to protect women's sexual rights this past May, uh, these males, these boys are now facing some pretty big repercussions. Spain's laws against rape and sexual assault have been the subject of fierce protests by feminist groups in recent years. After a long campaign, the law was changed to yes means yes rule, whereby saying silent during a rape 
could never be seen as consent after a string of high profile cases where attackers got off with light sentences. But again, in response to that, there is this new effort to try to make sure that people also don't intimidate and yell things to intimidate and harass women. Um, but this again, wasn't just a few people. This was an entire male dorm of more than 100 students who clearly had organized and practiced and figured out, okay, how can we all join together and make this harassment particularly intimidating for the women's dorm? And how can we do something that will get everybody's attention? And then somebody else said, oh yeah, maybe it should be videotaped so we can show everybody how coordinated we are. Um, what a bunch of idiots, never mind the fact that they're, you know, they're that they're misogynistic and and every culture has them but but Dan I mean you know what does the university do with something like this yeah, well, definitely university reprimands. They, they luckily made it all convenient that it's an all boys dorm that everyone did this. They all have windows. You can easily track and figure out which rooms were involved in it. And definitely the university should reprimand them if they don't want to be seen as the type of place where this kind of thing can happen. But it's definitely sort of shocking, just like you described, David, how top to bottom there was coordination, there was planning, there were probably practices. And they wanted to demonstrate, hey, these are the type of men we want to show the world that we are. This is the type of misogyny that we want to represent. And by the way, ladies, this is how we think and this is what we're proud of. I can't imagine something as self-defeating and shooting yourself in the foot as having participated in one of these videos. But thankfully, it wasn't one of those new like iPhone Pro super zoom lenses. So you can't see any faces. So maybe some people will be able to say, oh, oh, oh I was actually getting pizza at that time. So I actually wasn't involved in that. I disagree with the whole thing, so I made an excuse. But it's yeah. absolutely disgusting behavior. It is disgusting and thankfully the Prime Minister of Spain is showing some leadership on this. Pedro Sanchez has called on all politicians and media outlets saying that we need to give a united and common message of rejection of these machista behaviors which are unexplainable, unjustifiable and absolutely repugnant. Unfortunately, the chant is allegedly part of a ritual of machismo that takes place at the beginning of each academic year. TikToks from 2021 show how the song is part of a hazing process for newcomers, a mode of indoctrination, the university did not respond to the identical incident from last year. But this year, administration released an Instagram statement on the matter in it. The university calls the action unacceptable. At least one student, the so-called ringleader of the chant has already been expelled for this incident. And the remaining students will be required to take courses for awareness in gender equality. And hopefully this is the last year of this ritual of machismo. This is a horrible story we're about to talk about next. Um, a motorist fatally struck a six-year-old with his truck in Houston, Texas. That is the motorist, Pedro Alberto Hernandez, 52, charged with murder and DWI for the October 1st accident over the death of six-year-old Darian Lewis. Hernandez was serving probation for a 2020 DWI conviction, was required to have a breathalyzer on his vehicle ignition report show. However, according to court documents, Hernandez admitted to drinking four 16 ounce beers before hitting the boy. Dana Hubbard, Darian's grandfather, was present at the scene. Hubbard describes his grandson as a respectable little guy, little boy with autism who loved to play with stuffed animals. He was just learning more words and was very affectionate. Darian was walking across a parking lot in front of a laundromat with his grandfather and cousins when he was struck by Hernandez's truck. Dana Hubbard describes the incident. He came in on my left side and hit my grandson. That's how close he was to me, Hubbard said. I was able to hit his car to let him know what happened. I ran around, and I said, you hit my grandson. He stopped, he backed up, 
drove over my grandson again and stopped his truck on his head. Her documents show Hernandez ran over the boy three times. His grandfather said the man had a smirk on his face the last time. I swung out on him because he was laughing and thought it was funny, Hubbard said. Reports show that Hubbard pulled Hernandez from his car and pinned him against the truck's hood. Then other witnesses held down the driver. Hernandez's bond was set for $600,000, but it was raised to $950,000. Driving while intoxicated is a misdemeanor in Texas. However, a third DWI will result in a felony charge. A lot of folks say that Harris, uh, Harris County, where the incident happened, was one of the first in the state to tag a felony charge to DWI offenses in an effort to reduce drink, drunk driving. If convicted of Darian's murder, Hernandez could face life in prison. Um, no words. I mean, somebody who would deliberately be triggered by somebody saying, hey, you just hit my kid, and then back up over that kid and smirk and laugh about it. That's somebody who needs to be put away for the rest of their life. Yeah. Yeah, like beyond drunk driving, which I think the laws might be need to just like overall be need to overlook that as a state of Texas because it seems to be oh just a misdemeanor for your first two drunk driving incidents, madness. Uh, the case for better public transport altogether. But the fact that you have this demeanor of a person who is not only drunk but willing to laugh about running over someone's grandson, given the knowledge that you're doing that, that's gross. That deserves much more of a punishment. I honestly, I, I just don't see rehabilitating that kind of person. Dan Evans, tell us where people can find your work and listen to your voice and hear your insights. PowerPoint live streaming every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Twitch. And then PowerPoint as a podcast, Audio Face as a podcast, Good Morning Bad News on TikTok, and a new podcast coming soon because I don't know, I just love podcasts. I love the sound of my voice and these really nice mics. And um, it was great to be with you today, David Short. Of course, and Good Morning Bad News, it's sort of a lighter take on bad news, right? It's not like, oh my God, we're going to depress you to start your day. Uh, absolutely not. It's like a caffeine version of depressing you to start your day, but empowering you with uh, really important leftist news. All right, Dan Evans, thank nice you so much. Right on here, on behalf of Alex Jablonski. Oh, look, there he is. He's got the he's got the mug. On behalf of Alex, whoever was behind her, giving her some affection today. Uh, everybody else who was part of the indisputable team, Dr. Rashad Ritchie. I promise you. I promise you. Even if he wasn't going to be back on Monday. He's coming back, I guarantee it now. I'm David Schuster on behalf of everybody at TYT, thanks for watching. Welcome to Indisputable, I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today, but what do we do on this show? We tell the truth, you know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here, congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. Here's the pattern that we see in all of these Karen stories. They think they own stuff they do not own. Now, where does that come from? I don't know, maybe slavery. Maybe they think they should still own black people. This is what happens when Karens weaponize the police. When you're used to privilege, equality seems like oppression. It hits you in a certain way when someone is holding you against your will, treating you like you're a criminal and you're an innocent person. This is something that black people face no matter where they are. A stronger black economy lends itself to a stronger, greater economy. Don't think it's exclusive of you, it's inclusive of you. What's your beef with critical race theory? It adds more fuel to the fire of the racist tendencies that we already have. We have a generation of problem solvers that can remedy the problem if they are properly taught what the problem is. You know who created redlining in this country? Mm -hmm. The white liberal. I don't, I don't give a damn who created it.
If it's a racist policy, racist policy. Shelly, here's what I don't know. I don't know. See, there you go filibustering, brother. You're scared of this truth, but you're going to get it, though.